Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that God will meet you in this time with a fresh revelation of His love for you and that you will be challenged to align with the amazing plans that God has waiting for you. We hope you enjoy this week's message. How are you guys doing today? Good? I noticed there's a whole lot more people here this service than the first one. I think everyone was still coming out of that sugar crash this morning. Um, I don't know about you guys, but yesterday was so good. I had to get on the bike for an hour after eating everything just to try to undo some of the, the wonderful damage I did to myself. It was, it was awesome. So it's awesome having you all here this morning. And, um, you know, I, I was thinking as I was preparing, as I was preparing for this morning... Um, a couple years ago, I had a chance to speak at a, a fairly large youth conference, and I don't know about you, but sometimes it's easy for things to, to become in life about me. And so, like, I was excited. This was the largest youth event I'd ever spoken at. It was in Regina. It was really, really cool. But I was, I was like, asking the Lord, you know, what was on his heart. One of the phrases that I felt like he gave to me in, in prayer was, was, all eyes on Jesus, all eyes on Jesus. And I think that can be somewhat true with, with Christmas as well, is that sometimes we can get so excited about all the, the stuff of Christmas, the, I mean, and why wouldn't we, right? Like gatherings, food, all these different things. But sometimes Jesus really gets lost in the midst of the shuffle. And it's kind of these brief moments in church are really like the only time we have to actually breathe and, and think about who he is. And so... This morning, that's what we want to do. This morning is not about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. And we want to take some time just to allow him to be front and center. So I just want to invite you to pray with me before we get into the message. Jesus, we want to see you rightly. We want to know your heart. We want to know who you are, why you came. And so we ask this morning for ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I think it's worth saying before we get into things that um, it's, come to, it's kind of become a running joke among staff, actually, that people are getting me and Jim Hildebrandt mixed up a fair amount. Jim is our connections pastor. And, and we understand why we're both young, in shape, just, you know, great looking guys, so we could just see why people would confuse us. But I want to give you something really, really simple that will help you tell us apart. So if this message this morning goes really well, my name is Brian Nystater. And if it's not so well, you know, maybe, maybe it's a bit of a dud, whatever. My name is Jim Hildebrandt. You can email me at the church and just send all of your comments that way. So I hope that helps you in, in telling the difference between us. Um, we've been having a lot of fun with that. You know, when, when I think about Christmas, there's all sorts of things that come to mind, and um, definitely family, friends, um, there's nostalgic things that come to mind. Maybe for some of you, there's some stuff that's not so fun that comes to mind, and Christmas can be a difficult season, um, especially if there's some people who aren't there this year, and so I understand that th those things can bring all sorts of emotions. For some of us, it reminds us of stuff in the past. One of the things I always think of is the greatest Christmas album of all time, which of course is Boney M, and so that has become for me like my soundtrack of Christmas. I know there might be some people who 
want to fight me in the parking lot after. But it's Boxing Day. It's still close enough to Christmas. Probably shouldn't. Um, but in reality, there's someone who's way more important than all of that, right? Because in Christmas, we celebrate the most shocking, audacious, unthinkable reality that has ever happened in human history. God became a man. We, we sometimes we just got to stop and let that sink in for a little bit. God became a man. And that's why we're here today. That's why we're here today. It's, it's not because of all the other stuff. We love the other stuff, but I know many of us over the last few Christmases, Christmas hasn't been able to look quite the way that we would want it to look. And, and there can be all sorts of difficulties and stuff that come with us, but ultimately Christmas isn't about any of that stuff anyway, although I love it. It's just not about that. God became a man. And, and I know for myself, like I, I, it's easy for me to gloss this over. Because I love Christmas time. I love all the other stuff. Like, I mean, I really love the food. I really love, like, all of those things. They're, those things are great. But no, there's something deeper that, that I, I just feel like the Lord's inviting us to actually think about this morning. You know, we have the theological word for what happened on Christmas. The word is incarnation. God becoming man. Jesus taking on flesh. But, but really, there's actually no human word that can, can actually capture the shock and awe that must have reverberated through the heavens on the day that Jesus was born. So this morning, I want to invite you to come with me in Scripture. We're going to focus on John chapter 1, actually, and we're going to look at what Scripture has to say about Jesus' coming. On our Christmas Eve uh, service, our GMDS students say, they took us through the Luke version of, of Christmas, and I love that. Um, a special standout a mention goes to Ty, Tyrone for his performance as a sheep. Um, yeah, I know some of you think it was pretty bad, but I thought actually it was, I'm sorry. I thought it was quite good. Um, <laughs> and then last week, Pastor Claude preached a little bit out of John chapter 1, talking about Christmas, and I want to dive even deeper into John chapter 1. Actually, I was hoping as he was speaking, like, oh, I hope he doesn't say everything I want to say, and he didn't, so it was good. Um, I mean, it was good anyway, but this is how a preacher sometimes thinks. So we want to look into this reality, but the question I want us to be asking this morning is this, who is this baby? And I know you can rattle off the answer really, really fast. Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus, Son of God. But, but I actually want us to stop and think about it. Because I think there's something the Lord wants to speak to our hearts through it. So I'm going to start reading John 1, 1 to 5. And in the book of John, if you're newer to this, it was written by the Apostle John. And one of the titles he uses for God, one of the things John does in, in general is he uses different titles for Jesus and for God to help describe who he is. And so in John 1, he's talking about Jesus and he's using the title, the Word of God, to describe him. So John says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. 
Now, we're right to talk about the birth of Jesus and celebrate Jesus' birth that happened 2,000 years ago, but that's not when his life began. His life didn't begin at birth, it didn't begin at conception. Jesus is eternal, without beginning and without end. And what John is doing is John is telling us exactly who Jesus is, and I, and I love it, and we sometimes miss the just the beauty of what John is doing. But in John chapter one, John is taking us intentionally back to Genesis one, verse one. Genesis one, verse one starts off with these words. In the beginning was, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Every Jew would have known that verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And those first four words are huge. In the beginning, God. So before anything else was made, before Satan was made, before angels, demons, before giraffes, you know, anything, before we were made, there was God. God's in one category, and everything else is in another category. So Genesis 1 is making an emphatic statement about who God is. There was no primordial, like before time, struggle between good and evil. No, in the beginning, God and God alone. And so in John chapter 1, John is very intentionally taking that language from Genesis 1 to make a statement about who Jesus is. And so he starts the same way Genesis 1 does, and he says, in the beginning. But now he tells us something more. He says, in the beginning was the Word. He's saying Jesus was there in the beginning, and the Word was with God. So he was there with the Father at the beginning. It wasn't just the Father, the Son was there. And, the, and it says, um, and the Word was was God. Just in case there's any confusion, Jesus is God. And John is making such a clear statement about this. I, I think this is huge for us to understand because I think there's a lot of confusion about who Jesus is. But who we're celebrating is not just a cute little baby. I think the world's okay with us celebrating a baby. The, words, the world's okay with peace on earth, goodwill to man. The, words okay with, the world's okay with that. But the Christmas message is more than that. This little baby is God. And John, he goes on and he says, through him, all things were made. Nothing was made, or without him, nothing was made that has been made. So just, just think about this. This, this little baby in a manger, probably crying its little eyes out as babies do at times, this little baby is the one who created everything. So you know the story, right? The, the shepherds come to see him. The, the wise men come to see him later on. He created all of them. Colossians 1 tells us of Jesus that, that he holds all things together. He's holding all of it together. And that Jesus became this little baby. It's, it's, it's mind-blowing to think about. Again, Jesus is eternal. He's God. He has no beginning. He has no end. And so while we're celebrating his birthday today, really what we're celebrating, because Jesus has no birthday <laughs> He was never born. He was never created. He always existed. What we're really celebrating is this incredible miracle of the God who created the heavens and the earth. Jesus the Son becoming man. Jesus the Son taking on flesh. And this, this has all sorts of implications for the way that we live our lives. 
This reality about who Jesus is has all sorts of practical applications for how we walk stuff out because when we read Jesus talking about stuff in the Gospels, he's not just merely a good teacher. He wasn't just a really smart rabbi, wasn't really a really bright, you know, Pharisee or Sadducee. You know, we have our modern day, you know, quote unquote gurus giving their TED Talks and stuff like that and we try to learn stuff. Like, no, 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 no. Jesus was in a completely different category. He's God. And so when he gives us commandments in scripture throughout the gospels, for example, when Jesus is teaching, they aren't suggestions. It's not really up for our interpretation. It's not really up for our opinion on whether we, we need to follow this or not. He's God. He's God. That's huge. Because there's, there's such a move in our society right now to like take the words of Scripture, take the, the Sermon on the Mount, take some of the things Jesus said and, and, and do with it, well, well, yeah, I agree with this, I agree with this, I agree with this. Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, you can do that if Jesus was just a great teacher. But if he's God, <laughs> Brian Eisdater's vote doesn't count. But there, there's more. So let's keep reading in verses 6 through 14. And, and if you're newer to, to the Gospel of John, John was written by the Apostle John, and here he starts talking about another John as well, John the Baptist. So there's John the Apostle who's writing it, and then he starts talking about John the Baptist as well. And then he uses the language here of light to talk about Jesus. It says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so concerning Jesus, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, he only came as a witness to the light. The true light that, gives life, that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So first of all, he starts talking about John the Baptist, and we're like, yeah, John the Baptist, yeah, he was important, not, you know, maybe the, the biggest deal. John the Baptist was a huge deal. He was the first prophet in Israel in 400 plus years. And when he came, instantly, almost instantly, the crowd started coming to him. And his reputation, John's reputation was so, um, was so good, the power of his ministry was so effective that decades later, decades later in Acts chapter 19, even though John had a very short ministry time, in Acts 19, Paul goes to Ephesus and he runs into these group of guys who are disciples of John the Baptist. Like decades later, this guy whose ministry maybe lasted about a year at most, Decades later, there's people who are still following John the Baptist, and so Paul had to explain, no, 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 like, John the Baptist came to point the way to Jesus. And so John's, John's telling his audience, he says, just John the Baptist, he pointed out, he said, I'm not the light, like, the light is coming, but John the Baptist pointed to the reality that Jesus was God. But then we come into almost, almost this tragic part of this passage, where Jesus comes to his own, and his own didn't recognize him. Like he had created them, he, he, and he came to them, and his own didn't receive him. 
That's, it's hard to imagine, isn't it? They missed him. They thought he would look different. They thought things would be different when he came, and they missed the Savior of the world. And part of us wants to say, how on earth could they have missed him? But people miss him today all the time. And I think about testimonies of people, especially people who maybe come to the Lord a bit later on in life, and and often when they're sharing their testimony, they realize, oh my goodness, now I look back and I see he was there, he was there, he was there, he was there, he was leading me, directing me all the time, and I just didn't see him. But Jesus came and they, they didn't recognize who he was. The very one they had been waiting for for hundreds of years, he came and instead of celebrating him, They crucified him. And then verse 14, I I love verse 14, where it says this, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. God became a human being. And scripture is very clear as you read through the, the, the extent of it. This was not like Jesus putting on a costume like people do at Halloween. And then he was a man for a little bit, and then Halloween's over, he takes the costume off, and he's, he's back to his regular self. Jesus didn't just kind of take on the, the guise of humanity while he lived on earth, and then he went to heaven, and now he's not a man anymore, now he's just God. He forever became a man, fully man and fully God. This is basic Christian doctrine. Fully man, fully God. Right now in heaven, he's seated at the right hand of the Father in a resurrected human body. He is human for all of eternity and fully God for all of eternity. Like I said, this is why there's not really language to, to understand the gravity of what happened when Jesus took on flesh. And, and it raises the question, why on earth would God do this? Who on, like, who is this God? The Apostle Paul, he, he, he thought about these same mysteries in, in Philippians 2, verses 5 to 8. He's telling us about the attitude we should have, but he's telling us something really significant about the heart of our God. He says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So what does it tell us about God? That Jesus, who is eternal, who is is enthroned in heaven, he created all things. He had all the glory, honor, and power. He had all the everything that he could ever want. Perfect peace, full control over everything. What does it tell you about God that that Jesus came to earth and not only came to earth, but came to earth in the humblest of circumstances? Not as a mighty king. I mean, the angels sang at his birth, but they didn't keep on singing invisible ways after that. The star of Bethlehem might have shone for a little bit, but then after that, it was not over him all of his days. He came in a form where many people wouldn't recognize him. He came knowing that the very ones he created were going to mock him. The very ones he created were actually going to insult him and torture him and kill him. I mean, why would he even do this? 
Sometimes at Christmas, we, we put the focus on ourselves, and it's okay to put the focus on ourselves and what he did for us, but we also have to ask the question, what does Christmas tell us about who God is? What does Christmas tell us about this God that we serve? You know, I've, I've heard people in, in the midst of, of pain, in the midst of struggle, even myself sometimes in the midst of struggle, we, 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 we're tempted with this accusation, God doesn't care. Why doesn't God act? Why doesn't God do, do anything? Does God really care about me? Does God really care about my situation? But God isn't a distant God. He's not just up there in the cosmos, up there in heaven somewhere, looking down on you and saying, there, 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 there. He actually came down right into the middle of this mess and experienced the hurt and pain and disappointment and rejection and humiliation and the grief. He experienced it fully. And so when scripture speaks words of comfort, it's not those sterile, meaningless words of comfort from someone who's saying there, 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 there. It's words that come from someone who wept when his friend died. It's there from a man who scripture refers to as a man of sorrows acquainted with our griefs, acquainted with our sufferings. <laughs> what does this tell us? about who God is. Christmas is definitive proof that God cares. It's definitive proof that God cares about what's going on in our lives, that he cares about what's going on in your life, that he actually knows and he actually understands. I, I just love this reality. He came right into the midst of the mess and experienced it himself. And he died in our place to give us a promise of an eternal life without any of this pain and suffering being there anymore. One of my good friends, his, his dad just passed away a week ago. His dad is now the happiest he's ever been. <laughs> It's his first Christmas with, Christmas with Jesus. There, there's still mourning, of course. It's, it's hard, it's horrible, it's difficult, it's challenging. But oh, the hope that floods it knowing that you're gonna see that person again. Knowing that they're in a place right now where their suffering is over and where they're with God for all of eternity. And it's all because of what Jesus did. A couple of chapters later, John 3, verse 16. Most of us know this verse by heart but we actually see the reason behind Christmas and it's this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Christmas reveals to us the full extent and the power of the love of God. In a world where people want to throw accusations about that angry Christian God, we don't want anything to do with them. The Bible instead shows us as a God who took on flesh, humbled himself far below anything he needed to do, and died in our place so that we could be with him for all of eternity. And that just doesn't sound like an angry God to me. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a cruel and vindictive God to me at all. 
That sounds like a God I want to give everything for. Jesus opened up a way. By coming to earth through his death and resurrection, he opened up a way for us to be saved from sin and enter into an eternity with him. And the the only real question to ask in response to it is, what are we going to do with this baby who was born? How are we going to respond? And, And here's the thing, Jesus came, and the very people that he came for, the very people that he he created, they rejected him. But how about us? We, we see the same heart of rejection often in our society today. People push Jesus to the side, they ignore him, they mock him. You know, this, this, this past fall, twice when I was um, involved with, with street ministry in, this, in the city, um, two different times I had guys right in my face just cursing me out for sharing the gospel, just just cursing me out. And so we see this animosity towards the message of Jesus. But then there's also many stories of people who are turning him to, to him and being saved. I have a number of friends who are missionaries in the Middle East, and I keep hearing testimonies from them over and over and over again of the amazing things that are happening as people are having encounters with Jesus and being saved. And actually, just yesterday, I got an email from one of them so just yesterday, I was reading this email, and, um, and, and basically, there's, the, the details are there's a, a Muslim man who, who wanted to meet with, with a friend of mine because he said that he had met Jesus, and he wanted to find out more about who this Jesus was. And here's the story. This guy had been sick for about a week. He was really sick, stomach illness, was not doing well. And, and after a week of this, he was just kind of getting desperate. And, and as, a, as a Muslim, he believes that Jesus is a prophet, doesn't believe Jesus is God believes he's an important figure, so he's, he's missing the mark on this, but he knew that, that from what he knew that Jesus was a healer, and so he asked God to send him Jesus. He said, God, send me the prophet Jesus, and shortly after he prays this, this is just what the guy told my friend. He said, he looked, and Jesus appeared sitting on the edge of his bed, and this Jesus that he saw put his hand on his stomach, and when he did that, instantly all of his pain was gone. And he's trying to respond, and all all he says is these words, welcome, Lord Jesus. And when he says that, Jesus disappears. (laughs) And now he's got questions. Who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus? And so my friend was able to to meet with him and and talk to him and explain who Jesus was. But but that kind of stuff isn't just happening in other places. I think about some of my my personal friends here in our nation, and I I have a friend of mine I met just over a year ago. And a few years ago, he was one of the most feared men in his city. He had gang members who were afraid of him. I've heard the stories that when he came, that gang members would kind of back away. That's what his reputation was. But he, he had walked away from his Christian background. But he gave his life back over to Jesus, turned away from that, and now just a few years later, he is on fire for God. He's, he's a worship leader. He's leading people to Christ. He's ministering to people wherever he can because the power of God is real, alive, and it's active. And I think another friend of mine who, who gave her life to Jesus when she was in her 40s and her life was in total shambles. There was so much hurt, so much brokenness, so much pain, so much trauma that she had endured. And, and she, she said these words to Jesus, like, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. She, she kind of says, she didn't even quite know, like, 
She didn't even realize she was saying it as she was saying it, but instantly she felt this peace flood her heart. And I think of the healing the Lord's done in her heart. The way Jesus has broken off trauma, has brought greater freedom. And, and she's brought scores of people into the kingdom through her testimony. There's, there's this choice of how we respond to Jesus. Some are saying no, some are saying yes, but the real answer is what is our response? Because he's more than a cute baby, he's Jesus. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, you've already been following Jesus, you consider yourself a, a Christian, this is still a good question for us to ask ourselves, how do we respond to this Jesus? You know, I, I've heard it said, and I think it's really, really true, it's, it's, it's really easy to follow Jesus 90%. It's that last 10% where we struggle. Okay, I'm not gonna kill my neighbor. You know, like, okay, I can, I can do that. You know, I, I, I got it, I, I'm good. <laughs> but it's that last little 10% where we wanna hold back. It's the last 20, 25%. And the, and the reality is, is that Jesus didn't come to earth 75%. He didn't just give 75% of his life on the cross. He gave it all. And when we think about the wonder of this man, fully God, fully man, this baby boy Jesus, and then the life that he lived, the only right response is to give him everything. And, and, and there's actually a shift that needs to take place because I think many of us, we learn to follow God and there's a set of rules we're supposed to follow. And, and, it, and it became like this religion, a, a list of things to do. But what we actually see in scripture is that we're invited into a love story. And he wants us to fall more and more in love with him. So that following Jesus isn't a duty, it's a joy. Walking in obedience isn't so much about a list of things. It's, it's more about like, how much can I give to this one who gave me everything? And it makes obedience a whole lot easier. It makes obedience a whole lot easier. Because it's not primarily about a list, it's about love. And when that love is there, then the obedience flows from it. We have a reason to celebrate. <laughs> and we also have a reason to have hope. Because life isn't easy. And the last couple of years haven't been easy. And we're all walking through our own stuff. And I've, I've seen believers, when life gets really, really hard, get offended with God and just leave. But the reality is that God knows and God sees and God understands because God's been through it himself. Jesus walked through it. And he's walking with you through things right now. He understands, he cares. He's not going anywhere. He's gonna be there with you. But he's also given us a promise of an eternal hope that this is not the end of the story. Amen. In fact, the end of the story's already been written and we win. Amen. And it looks a lot like eternal joy in his presence that all that we're dealing with right now, while it might be heavy, it's only momentary. We have a hope far beyond the pain that we're walking in right now. But we have a God who's not afraid to walk with us in the midst of it. For those of you who've never really given your life over to Jesus, today's a pretty good day to do that. 
today's a pretty good day to respond to what he did. Because he understands what we've gone through. And so often, one of the things that holds people back is like, I just don't know if I can trust God. I don't know if I can trust him. All I know is this, is that a God who would leave everything behind for a person like me who so often must clearly disappoint him, he would leave all of that for me. He'd take on flesh, go through that rejection, through that pain, through all of that stuff for me. The, the only conclusion I can possibly have is that this God must love in a way unlike anything I've ever seen before. That he's actually so good. He's so kind. He's so filled with mercy. God's the only complete saint the only completely safe person you'll ever meet. He's the only one who will never, ever let you down. He's the only one who's 100% faithful to his word all the time. And if you haven't given your life to the Lord before, maybe you've been holding back or, or maybe you have given your life, but if you're honest this morning, it's like, well, it's been 75% or 80 at best. What's holding you back today? Jesus is where he's always been, right in front of us, right with us. And all he's looking for is our yes. So this morning, I, I want to lead you through a prayer. And, and, and I, just, I just believe this. Jesus said that if anyone would come after him, they, they needed to deny themselves daily and follow him. So in other words, the decision to follow Jesus isn't a one-time decision. I mean, you make that decision, but then you make it every single day of your life. It's this intentional decision that, no, I'm going to walk in the way that Jesus would have me walk. I want to live in the way that he would have me live. And so I want to invite you, whether you have believed in Jesus your whole life or whether today is a day where you want to make that commitment or maybe today is that day where you, want, where you actually want to say, no, it needs to be 100%. It's only been about 80 this last year. Let's just give our lives to him all over again. Again, if, if you've already made that commitment, this isn't about salvation. But this is about making that, that daily commitment to follow him. So you can just pray, uh, pray and repeat after me. Jesus, I give you my life. I'm yours. Thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for coming to earth. But today I turn from my sin and I receive your forgiveness. Thank you for filling me. Thank you for your love. Amen. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.